0: Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. It's a great day today. It snowed. I thought we were having a discussion in our home whether it truly was spring or not. And then it snowed. And so some people still think it is. Some people think it isn't in the house. I said it's February. So, you know, maybe we had a couple spring days, but it's still February. February. Do you remember that time? What was it, three years ago? What was it 19 inches of snow or like 12 inches of snow on like April 19th? Do you guys remember that? It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, this morning we are finishing up series three of our God's Word for Life Bible study. And the first three lessons, the, the series is titled The Bread of Life. And the first three lessons go through the, the book of John chapters 5 and six. And these stories really happen pretty close right after each other. We read in, in John 5 where it talks about the man who was at the pool of Bethesda. That was lesson one we, we had this month, the first Sunday in February. Thirty-eight years he was at the pool, and Jesus came and healed him. Then we read the story the title was Feeding a City with a Sack Lunch. Jerry came up here, Pastor Jerry, with a with a lunchable, and we were all just wanting to eat it the whole time. He kept waving it in front of our face, right? And it it was about how Jesus fed five thousand and more when you count the women and children, and all with five loaves of bread and two fishes. And so you're seeing he's healing people, he's feeding people, and then he leaves that story. And this was the story from last week. And the disciples get in their boats after you know Jesus feeds five thousand. There's all this actually this, and and they 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 get in the boat and they start going across the the lake Jesus wasn't with them but then he shows up in the middle of the lake walking on water which leads us to the conversation that happened immediately following that story and it takes up almost the whole book of John and it can be a little confusing at times Jerry brought a lunchable so I felt like I needed to bring something it's not a lunchable Look at that—a loaf of bread. So, so let's start back at the. Who's hungry? Isn't it amazing that just a loaf of bread, Pastor? Roy, you're... Are you like me? You could just eat this whole loaf of bread for lunch. A little baloney. Oh yes, yes, I love baloney. I don't want to know how it's made, but I like it. Okay. Uh... And so let's start, let's remind ourselves a little bit of the story beforehand. So we're going to be going through all John 6. If you want to pull up your uh, iPad or your, your phone and you want to read along in your version, it's chapter 6 of John we're going to be going through. And we're going to be pretty much going through the whole chapter. So I'm going to do a lot of reading of scripture and then we'll explain a little bit of it and talk about this conversation that happens between Jesus and his disciples. And like I tell you all the time, let's find ourselves in this story. Let's, as we're reading, let's think about it. Where, how do I fit in? What, what is, how do I uh, relate to the people or maybe the, the things in this story? So we're going to start at John 6, verse 11. And it says, Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed to them who were seated. So also with the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, Collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. Obviously, this is a story where they're feeding the 5,000. We know that these people are starting to get very hungry, and Jesus provides bread and fish for the entire group. And then it says, as much as they wanted. And the leftovers were 12 baskets. And I think a quick lesson we learn here, not to steal from two lessons ago, but... When we're fed by Jesus, we can have as much as we want. And we will be full and there will be leftovers. There'll be extra. Psalms 107 says for he has satisfied, satisfied the thirsty and filled the hungry with good things. So, we're going to skip ahead to John 6:25. 6, 6:25, if we can get that one up. And so they, they go across the water, Jesus, Jesus uh, is coming, he, he walks on the water, they get in the boat, they go across, and all the people follow them, they go around the lake somehow or across the lake, they find him, and they say, they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Because they're like, you didn't get in the boat with the disciples, right? And verse 26, he says, truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. He's saying, don't work for food that spoils. You made all this way to come find me, probably to get more bread, but don't be trying for the the bread that's going to spoil. Instead, feed yourself with food that lasts forever. I can imagine this is a little confusing for them. No, but the bread was good, but we're hungry again now, it's the next day. Like, could could we get some more? They're thinking of bread, real bread. It doesn't knock. It's pretty fresh. Jesus is trying to change their focus from earthly food to eternal food. And this is the beginning of the conversation. He's like, hey, just, you know, don't eat that stuff that keeps spoiling. Eat some heavenly stuff. And they're like, what? They're still focused on the signs. And so in verse 28, it what can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. And Jesus replied, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one who he has sent. Now he's starting to tell them the bread of God, the bread of life, the bread of God is not a what, but a who. He's saying, he's saying eating of this eternal life, this bread, is believing on the person that that God sent. And so they say in verse 30, what sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe you? The walking on water, the, the, the 5,000 loaves, the healing of the manna, those were not clearly good enough. Um, what sign that will you do that we may see and believe you, they asked. What are you going to perform? And here's where they, they pull one out, right? It's like Our ancestors, verse 31, ate the manna in the wilderness. Just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Oh, okay, well, hey, we're hungry. Hey, you need to eat eternal life. Yeah, but our ancestors asked for food, and God gave them bread from heaven. They're quoting Scripture with Jesus. That never goes well. I've done it. Don't do it, okay? He knows the Bible more than you do, okay? Okay, it's just a little life lesson there. So he gave them bread to eat. They said, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they're saying, give us this bread from heaven. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you. You know, sometimes I wonder if they're thinking still like, this bread from heaven, it's going to come down like manna and we're going to be filled. And they're probably, they're probably thinking of this story in the, in the Old Testament as like this. Over the years, you know how stories sometimes get a little bit warped in that really horrible vacation you had when you were a child, all you remember are the good parts, right? And so they're 40 years in the desert, suffering, begging to go back to the like, Well, they got bread from God. Where's our bread from God? And they're thinking of this really good part, right? Which they didn't even like that bread. But. And Jesus says to them, truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Who's he starting to talk about now? He says, my Father gives the bread, and the bread comes down from heaven, and the bread gives life to the world. He's still hinting a little bit, right? They might still be thinking about the bread that feeds the 5,000. But he is telling them that the bread of heaven gives the bread of life. It's getting confusing. That's why I brought the bread. Okay. So then in 30, verse 34, they say, Sir, give us this bread always. And then Jesus just comes out and says, You're clearly not getting it. He says, I am the bread of life. Jesus told them, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty. And I still got to imagine they're sitting there thinking, okay, yeah, he fed us. He gave us some water. He gave us some bread. Okay, so he's, he's the bread of life. If you come to him, he will give you bread. Like, There's some mixing analogies here, right? My, uh, my second daughter, Evelyn, she's doing a... a assignment for school where she has to create a poster so Wisconsin was a big lead mining state back in the day I don't know if many of you knew that they mined a lot of lead and uh, they were trying to get people to come be lead miners and so they created all these posters and so they have her creating a poster to like come work for she has to create a company and then try to compel people to come work for her company in the lead mining industry right which was if you go look at lead mining photos from Wisconsin that does not look like a fun job right it, does, it looks horribly dirty. It looks very difficult, right? And so she was trying to come up with a, a name for her company. And we were trying to do what they call like a play on words. And so her company name was called L-E-A-D, mining, L-E-A-D-E-R-S. The Lead Mining Leaders. But leaders, the first four letters, were bolded in black to match the lead on the top. And so if you didn't really understand how to read very well, you might make the lead-mining letters or the lead-mining leaders. Like, but the fact that she's kind of doing a play on word with a word that can mean multiple things is creative, right? And so her whole thing was, like, come work for us. And she's like, you'll get one acre of land for an entire year. I'm like, back then, that's a fortune. And she said, five acres. I'm like, you're going to get a lot of workers. Um, <laughs> Everybody's I'll come work for you for five acres for a year's worth of work. I don't care what you're doing. Um, so I mentioned that story to say, like, sometimes there's plays on words happening in the Bible. There's analogies that are being used. And Jesus is the king of using analogies. Right? He's the king of using parables. He's a king of referencing something as the bread of life because they just got done eating a lot of bread. And they're like, bread, bread, I'm hungry. And this guy has bread and he's claiming to be the bread of life. Right? And so as we go through this story, you're gonna see the different ways we can look at this. Okay. So for the bread of God is, is the for the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. John 34, they said, Give us this bread always. And he says, I am the bread of life. He's saying, I'm the one that God sent down to this earth. I came down to this earth as the bread from heaven. I am your bread from heaven. I give life. And they think, oh, he's just telling us an analogy as as in he's the like bread server, right? He serves bread. But they're also a little bit confused. He says, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty. For this is the will of my Father that everyone who sees the Son, me, and believes in him will have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. So now he's, he's getting more bold with what he's trying to say. He's hinting a lot less. And they're starting to believe it might not just be about bread. But they're also kind of stuck with this idea that this is this kid from Nazareth. I mean, he's, what, 30 years old, barely 30 years old, talking about he's, he's the heaven bread from God. This is not making sense. He's just a carpenter. He's like a carpenter's apprentice, learned from his dad, that normal guy that was kind of quiet. You know, I made that up. But just, just imagine he's a carpenter working in his shop. But he was the bread of life. He was so much more, but they, they didn't see that yet. He is nourishment for the hungry soul, and he is water for the thirsty soul. He's, he's, he gives out f- bread and, and, and fish to 5,000, but it's, it's, he's showing them what he can do spiritually, right? And so in, in we skip ahead to John 47, and it says, truly, I tell you, Anyone who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. He's saying it again. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. Now let's just go back here. I don't have all the verses on my... Verse 41. So he finishes saying, I'll raise him up in the last day. And in verse 41, I'm going to skip back there, Jane, for a minute. And the Jews complained about him because... He said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered them and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the the, the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, and this is where we get to verse 47, I tell you, anyone who believes has eternal life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. Not because of the manna. They just died. Like It clearly did not fill them. It did not give them, that manna, that bread that you're claiming you want more of, did not give them eternal life. And then he says in verse 50, this is the bread that came down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now this is starting to sound a little familiar. This sounds like when we, do, uh, when we do communion, like Paul said, hey, you should, you should break bread and drink from this cup. Because now at the end, he says, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He's saying, I'm giving my flesh as the bread for the life. If they weren't confused before, I think they're more confused. Wait, wait, we're supposed to eat you. Jesus is clearly well, I shouldn't say that. That's going to get recorded. I gonna, Jesus is clearly not advocating for cannibalism, but but the words seem to feel that way. Right? The Jews were literally in the same spot as their forefathers that ate manna. Much like the Jews that were escaping Egypt in Exodus, Jesus said, "I want to lead an Exodus of this group. I want to lead an Exodus. I want to leave an Exodus from lead an Exodus from a life." of sin, from a life of bondage, from a life of struggle. And he said, I'm going to lead you out of this life, but you got to eat the bread of heaven, the bread of life. And I'm that bread, and so just eat me. He says he's the bread, but then he says his flesh is the bread that he is giving. And then he says, believe on me, obey me, and do what I do. How many people are still confused? I am a little bit, right? This is all over the place, right? then he, he's talking and he says, my death, and this isn't the words he used. I'm starting to insert some paraphrasing here, some translation in my own words. He's saying, my death will give you the opportunity to have eternal life. And it doesn't have to do with you eating my flesh after I'm dead. We're not having a Jesus barbecue, right? It's my death, my act of dying will allow you to have eternal life. If you believe on me, you obey me, and you follow me. And that's where we start to hear about what Peter talks about in Acts, where it says, Peter says, hey, this Jesus, all this happened, like what do we do? And he says, you need to repent. You need to die to your sins. You need to be baptized and go under the water. You need to be buried just like Jesus was buried. And then as Jesus rose up in a new life, you're going to rise up in a new life. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we're starting to hear that word filled again, right? And so Jesus is saying, if you follow me and do what I did, and you are, you die, And you are buried, die in repentance, telling God you're sorry and you want to change your life and try to turn around. And if you are buried in baptism, going submerged underwater, you will will have a new life and you'll have eternal life because you're doing what he did. Now, a little bit different, right? Remember how we can, it's a play on words. So on verse 52, this is where, once again, they're arguing. It says, at that the Jews argued amongst themselves. How can this man give us flesh to eat? Or maybe it was, how can this man give us flesh to eat? You know, you can put your in, in whatever on whatever word. So Jesus told them, said to them, truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. The one who takes part in my life, the one who takes part in what I'm doing, that's the person that will have eternal life. You take part in Jesus' life and you take part in Jesus' death and that's how we have eternal life. John, then uh, number 56, it says, The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father so the one who feeds on me will live. So now let's just take a break and make sure we're seeing a couple different ways that God is speaking to us here. If you've never experienced God before, God is saying, hey, follow me. Eat of my life, which is do what I did. Die, be buried. You're going to have new life. You're going to be filled with my spirit when you repent and are baptized. right? But now he's starting to say something else too. Okay, brother, sister, you've chosen to believe on me. You're trying to live a life for me. And if you want to remain in me, you got to be fed by me. Just like Jesus, right, to take a story about a loaf of bread, and now there's layers everywhere. He's talking to everybody. You don't get away because, well, I'm just new to God. You don't get away because, well, I've been with God for a long time. He's like, no, no, no. If you want to remain in me, I don't care if you've been with God 50 years. If you want to remain in me, you need to eat the bread of life that I've given And so now we're starting to see some of these layers, right? To some people, they're just like, I just want some more of that bread. To some people, they're starting to realize, you know what? My life just isn't what I want it to be. I do have a life of sin and and struggles, and I want to overcome this. And so I'm going to follow this guy. And so there's that choice to follow Jesus. And some of us have made the choice to follow Jesus, and now it's like, what's next, Jesus? And he's like, oh, for you, you've made the choice to follow me. Now you need to be fed by me daily. Remain in me. It's a totally different bread. It's not an earthly substance he's talking about anymore. Now for for the people he's saying, he's like, hold on. It's it's not about this earthly bread. It's about a spiritual bread that I'm going to feed you and it's going to sustain you. And yes, you're going to have eternal life because you're going to go to heaven and live forever. Great, I promised you that over here. But now I'm telling you, you're going to have life more abundantly if you follow my way of doing things. Right? You eat of the bread of life, the spiritual sustenance, the spiritual nourishment, and I'm going to be blessing you. And my spirit is going to be guiding you. And that's why he, you know, early on, he's like, quit worrying about getting full physically. That's just, that stuff, that food spoils. Don't worry about this bread. This is gonna spoil. I I mean, this is already getting a little, I need to save this for afterwards. This is my lunch. Uh, um, (laughs) Right? We well, you just leave bread out for like an hour. Like you buy it at the store. If you get it too late in the afternoon, it's already like, well, that's a little bad. This is going to have to be French toast, right? That this food spoils. Don't spend all your time and energy and effort and don't make everything you care about being this food. Care about the food that comes from heaven. So we're not getting full physically. We're getting full spiritually. In verse 60, this is, I think we can all relate to this in a way. Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, many of his disciples heard this. Now he had more than just 12 people following him. We all know that, right? We know that. We've all seen the chosen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it, is, it is a great show. Uh, that you know, it's funny because we were we're starting to watch the the chosen. We're trying to I wanted to watch it before I let the kids look at it. So we're showing them the chosen and we're doing Bible studies a little bit with it and just having conversation. It's really cool to have the conversation about. Well, in, in episode three of season one, they say uh, G- it's Jesus loves the little children and there's all these kids coming to him asking him a million questions, right? And somebody asked something about bread. He's like, Yeah, I've got a lot to say about bread. Like in that episode, it was really funny, very timely. It was uh, two nights ago we talked about that. Um, So verse 60, it says, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. So they've been having this conversation from verse 25 to verse 60, right? That's what, 35, 35 verses? 35 verses, this conversation is going back and forth. They've been confused. They've been bewildered. They've murmured about themselves. They've complained. They've straight out, just give us something, right? All this. And then they say, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Another version said, Who can listen to this? This isn't making sense. This is difficult. And Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about that, asked them, Does this offend you? Verse 62 Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? What if you could just what if you were there observing and the Son of Man ascended back into heaven? The Spirit's the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words I have spoken to you are Spirit and life. But there are some among you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe and those who would betray him. He's telling us the Spirit gives life. God living inside of us gives life. Now he's talking to us saying, hey, When you follow my way, my spirit, my Father's going to send my spirit and it will be inside of you. And there's a verse that says God's spirit will teach us all that we need to know. Not in this chapter. That's a different verse. But his spirit gives us life. God living inside of us gives us life and gives us life more abundantly if we are feeding our spirit with God's word. And in John 6, 66, it says this, from that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. They left him. They deserted him. They said, nah, they took it a step too far. Ah, oh, nah, no, this couldn't make sense. All over this teaching, all over this 35 verses, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. And you'll read at the end, there was there was 12 left. Maybe they were just confused because if you just read this, come on, we can admit it, I was confused, you'd be confused. Just reading is like, especially if you put yourself in their shoes. It's easy for us to look at the Bible now and be like, well, he was talking about the bread of life and eternal life and Yeah, well, you're sitting here. Go sit there and look at this carpenter Jesus that used to, you know, do stupid stuff as a teenager. Right? I didn't say sinful stuff. I said annoying stuff, stupid stuff. I can get all doctrinal here. I'm not claiming that. Maybe they were just confused. Maybe it was the bread analogies. Maybe they were just hungry and thinking with their stomach. And when they couldn't get this bread, they said, "Eh, you know what, (laughs) I'm done. I was here for the bread. I was here for the fish. This all this other mumbo jumbo. This isn't making sense. I'm gonna go back to where I can find bread. Maybe it was just because it was this Jesus guy, this carpenter from Nazareth. Maybe some of them thought, well, if you're the Messiah, you should be more like a conquering hero with your chariots and your armies. That's what the Messiah is. If you're going to claim to be the bread that God sent down to give people life, this Messiah, if you're claiming to be him, I'm sorry, dude, your little robe and beard and your little carpenter tools is not doing it for me. I'm expecting a king with shiny stuff and horses. So maybe they were expecting him to be more, and they're like, nah, I'm going to go wait for that Messiah that comes with the armies. Maybe it was because of the opposite. Maybe he was claiming to be more than Moses. He's saying... Uh, Moses didn't feed these people. I'm going to feed these people. Maybe it's because he was claiming to be more than Moses, saying, he, I am the way to salvation. He literally said, and not Moses. Or maybe, and it could be all these. I'm sure it was something like this for each person that left, right? And maybe for some, it was because they were looking to do something to earn eternal life. John 6, 28, we read it already. It says, what can we do to perform the works of God? Let us do something. John 6, 52 says, how can this man just give us his flesh to eat? Like, he, he can't do that. And we, can't, and we just want to do something. Maybe that's it. And what's both, what's really profound here is that Jesus didn't chase them. He let them go. He loved them enough to, enough to let them make their own choice. And in verse 67, Jesus said to the 12, you don't want to go away too, do you? I need a couple of people, right? You don't want to go away too, do you? And Simon Peter answered, and this is our verse for the day. Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One. Lord, to whom will we go? No one else has this bread. No one else has this life. We've been following you, and we can already see a change in our life. I'm not going to try to pretend to be some Bible scholar and tell you how many months they've been following Jesus. But in that that time, whatever it was, I can tell you mathematically it was less than three years. If it was a week, if it was a month, if it was a year, it doesn't matter. Peter had said, with the amount we've spent with you, whether everything you just said in the last 35 verses makes sense, He said, Who else will we go to? We know you have eternal life. He beat Jesus to the punch because eight chapters later in John 14 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So spending time with Jesus, spending time with this bread from heaven, eating from the bread of life, eating from his words, had proven to Peter and to the rest of the 12 that it was life changing. They had seen changes in their lives. As we close this series and this lesson, we've been talking about bread. We've been talking about Jesus. We've been talking about eternal life. We learn that Jesus is the bread and that by him being broken and eaten, we too can be saved from sin and have eternal life. But there's also another lesson in here. I've hinted to it. But we get to choose what we eat. You've probably heard this story. It's an old Native American story. Uh, Some people say it was Cherokee. I don't know for sure. But one evening, an old Cherokee told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves that reside in all of us. One wolf is evil. It is anger. It is envy. It is jealousy. It is sorrow, regret, greed arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other wolf is good. It is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. And so as he's telling his grandson about this battle that goes on between the two wolves that live inside of us, the grandson thinks about it for a minute and he asks his grandfather, well, which wolf wins? And the old grandfather said, the one you feed. The wolf that you feed. I can't help but think that maybe this is just a, remember how I said things get lost in translation? I hope that that's, someday I'd love to find out that that was a lost in translation from a verse in the Bible. Galatians 5, verse 16. Tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. It says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. Huh? Sounds like he's saying there's two things. One's a Spirit, one's a flesh, and they're warring inside of you. Can you go back a verse, Sister Jane, verse 16? It says, walk by the Spirit. Do the things of the Spirit. And if you do them, you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. So let's use the analogy of the old Native American grandfather. If you feed the good wolf, you're not going to see the bad wolf. Which means the opposite is true. If you do the things of the Spirit you will see fruit of spirit in your life. If you feed the good wolf, you will see the good parts of the good wolf in your life. But, but Galatians, Paul doesn't stop there. Look at what he says in verse uh, 19. Now the works of the flesh. So, so remember, he just said, if you feed the flesh, you're gonna get fleshly things and you'll carry out the desires of the flesh. If you feed the spirit, You're going to carry out the desires of the spirit. And then he says, okay, so just so we're clear, let me tell you what the works of the flesh are. They're obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy outbursts of anger selfish ambitions dissensions factions envy drunkenness carousing and anything similar i am warning you about these things as i warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of god well this sounds really familiar doesn't it to that story from about the wolves but 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 what's interesting is the start of that verse, number 19. He said, the works of the flesh are obvious. When you feed the flesh, imagine the flesh is this machine. When you feed it with something, this is what comes out of it. These are the works that come out of feeding the flesh. But then in verse 22, it says, but the fruit, and we could say works, the works of the, the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit. So he's saying, if you feed the Spirit... What comes out of it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. And he says the law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Jesus Christ, those who are following the bread of life, who are following the bread that God sent from heaven, Jesus Christ, they've crucified their flesh with its passions and desires, and they are feeding the good wolf. They're feeding their spirit. They're walking. That's what it says, I walk in the spirit. If you walk in the spirit, that means, hey, I'm going to do the things of God. I'm going to eat from the bread of life instead of eating from the bread of this world. Remember I said about the kids' lessons. This is the kids' lesson. My wife's teaching this. If she can get any of the kids to remember any of these words, it's been a successful day. That bread fills our tummy, but God fills our heart. But too often we're like these people that are saying, give me that bread. I just want this bread for my tummy. I just need to be full for another three hours and then I'll go find some more of it. Just need some more of this bread to fill my tummy. Just need to be full for another three hours. And God's like, yeah, you need that. In fact, in Matthew 4, he says it differently. He says, you can't live by this alone. You can eat this. It's good bread. You should eat it. Eating's a good thing. He handed out bread. He broke bread. Jesus didn't have a thing with bread. He said, but you can't live by bread alone. And so I want to encourage you. Reread John chapter 6 for yourself. Take some time. Read it through a few times. Read it through slowly. Start, you know, verse 25. Go to the end of the chapter. Take some notes. Meditate on it. Ask God to speak to you. Because the other layer of this story is that we eat this bread of life and we grow. God's word helps us grow. Have you chosen to obey Jesus? Have you said, hey, you know what? I haven't lived for God, but I want to make that decision today then yeah, let's maybe cut out all the weird words where it feels like you're eating somebody and say, hey, follow Jesus. Follow his way of doing something. Obey his His way. And to others, I would say, what are you feeding yourself? You might not know, but your works will tell you. If you're seeing a lot of negative things in your life, it's because of what you're feeding yourself. When we feed ourselves good things, good things come out. When we feed ourselves God's word, we're, we're full. We have life more abundantly. Doesn't mean we shouldn't just sit at home and read God's word 24-7. But I'm saying we need to be careful about what we're bringing into our body. Because God's word feeds us and it fills us. Let's all stand. But God's word doesn't just feed us and fill us. This whole bread of life idea, right? There's so many layers to this. Hopefully, you you can remember or resonate with one of them. But the other thing about God's Word is it is God's Word. And if you are reading it and meditating on it and praying about it, God will literally speak to you through His Word. Now, if you're going to do a power read and try to get seven chapters done in an hour or 45 minutes, you're going to read God's Word, but you might not be getting fed right? You're going to read It's like, I I liken it to the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, right? He got a lot of hot dogs in and he got full. A lot of them probably go behind the way and puke afterwards, but all right, but they're not, they're not satisfied. We can read God's word. If we will sit and just say, you know what, God, instead of trying to get 72 hot dogs in here, instead of trying to get 72 chapters in here, I'm going to sit and read 10 verses, and try to hear what you're speaking to my life. I'm going to feed myself on your word today. I'm going to put my phone down for 10 minutes, right? I'm going to put my, my game down. I'm going to put my Facebook down. I'm going to put all these other things that I'm feeding myself with and say, you know what? My spirit needs a little food too because I want to see something different in my life. I want to see some different fruit in my life. So let's pray today. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us the bread of life, your son. God, give us today our daily bread. Not just the bread, Lord, that we eat, but the daily bread of your word, God. Help us to choose it on a daily basis. Help us to choose to read your word and to follow you. Help us to feed our spirit, God, with your word and with the things of you, God, walking in your spirit over the things of the flesh, God. And God, help us not to leave you because it's confuse, confusing, because it doesn't make sense. God, give us strength and give us faith to follow you like the disciples, God. Show us the eternal life you promised as we follow you, God. And we give you the praise and glory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. We're going to have a, our main service. will start in about 15 minutes. You can go pick up your kids if you have them in class. If Otherwise, find somebody, greet them. And uh, as a reminder, try not to go to the other side. We're setting up for our opportunity fair that will happen after our next service, which will be done a little early. God bless.